I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to our emergency podcast. Uh, Yesterday, the country went to the polls and the message was clear. Get Brexit done and get Corbyn done with. I'm Rebecca Hudson and I'm joined by Express.co.uk polemicist and columnist Paul Baldwin and head of news fresh from a late shift. Hello. I wonder what you were going to say there. Yeah, I had a few options. (laughs) Pregnant pause. Hello. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for doing such a stellar uh, job on the overnight shift. The coverage on express.co.uk was second to none. Is it morning? I don't know. It's all blurred into one. Okay, try and keep a little cogent for the people that have um, bothered to tune in. Um, so a, a complete and an incredible result, uh, whichever way you look at it. Um, at the time of recording, uh, Boris, uh, we had 649 of 650 seats declared um, and Boris had a majority of 77. I imagine it will be 78 by the time we get out of here. We're just waiting for um, St. Ives to declare um, after their vote was delayed. Um, a pretty disastrous night for the Labour Party, whichever way you look at it. The red wall um, of those northern, Indeed, uh, northeastern uh, northern constituencies have, have fallen to the charms of Boris Johnson, unlike, well, in a very similar way to Carrie Simmons. Um, and here we are, an entirely new political landscape. Paul, what did you make of it? I thought it was, uh, for me and all other um, Democrats and believers in democracy, a very deeply satisfying night of politics, I thought. Uh, irrespective of uh, which way you voted, um, Democracy won last night. It was it was effectively a the second referendum that everyone's been calling for, and it was a resounding get on with Brexit. Absolutely. So Brexit is now forty eight days away. Boris Johnson has said this morning that there'll be no dither and delay. We're out on the thirty first of Jan, um, and he's now got this incredible mandate to shape our ongoing relationship with the EU and the rest of the world. Donald Trump, you'd have seen, was tweeting. Um, about the incredible deal that we're going to strike with him in, you know, seven or eight years' time, no doubt. Um, and he also, Boris also has this incredible mandate to enact a vision, a domestic vision, um, and whether that will be a sort of more centrist, one nation Tory thing that he's been banging on about, or whether he sticks on that kind of centre-right, part, uh, far-right path, I guess you could call it, is 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 to be seen. I was very surprised, Paul. Um, I think my Twitter fo- my Twitter feed of sort of left-wing students and comedians clearly did not reflect yeah. what was happening outside of uh, London because I was I was forecasting a hung parliament or maybe a very slim Boris majority. So to see him um, get with a majority well, of been, 78 is something. Yeah, I mean, it's been hugely instructive, I think. Uh, and I think we were all, um, I always thought that Boris will get a majority, but nowhere near as thumping a majority as, as he's ended up with. And I don't even think he or Dominic Cummings could have, uh, have believed the number that they're, they're turning in. But I think it was hugely instructive that we were all completely wrong-footed by the, the last couple of weeks of the Labour Party shifting the agenda in in maybe in media circles, maybe in London-centric circles. But the rest of the country was not giving a toss. The rest of the country... Particularly in the north, the way the, the, the northeast has turned blue, it, it was one of the first shocks of the night for me. Um, there were there were constituencies there, mining constituencies, old sort of 
really deeply Labour constituencies who've, who've either never seen a, uh, a Tory MP um, in that seat or, or not for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. And one by one by one, they all turned blue. Um, and it was unbelievable. I mean, and it just was indicative. I would say that uh, sometimes I was in, in our media bubble and the Westminster bubble and the London bubble uh, just doesn't get what's going on in the rest of Great Britain. Mm. So this is so, yeah, the Jeremy Corbyn's waking up to uh, a defeat worse than um, the 209 seats won by Michael Foote in 1983. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Michael Foote was um, the kind of, um, you know, the, the, the joke figure of the late 70s, early 80s, um, you know, an easily lampooned guy and, and, you know, deemed to be the worst leader the Labour Party had ever had. Unfortunately, he doesn't hold that title anymore um, because there's a new contender in town and and he's done so much better at being the worst leader the Labour (laughs) Party ever had. Enter stage left, Jeremy Corbyn as, um, yeah, the most historically unsuccessful Labour uh, leader in in history, which is quite something. We're speaking with hindsight, but really, when when you when you, it's, it doesn't come as a massive surprise to anyone that Corbyn has failed for being Corbyn and his, uh, you know, for being the, the unreconstructed nineteen seventies eighties Marxist that he is. It's not. He was he was peddling a dream that Britain absolutely did not want. That kind of socialist dream, you know. Yeah. Where did you, so where did you but so where did you go wrong? I mean, was it the manifesto was sort of free? broadband and uh, two billion trees was it uh, the anti-semitism and the complete abject failure of that party to deal with that was it him looking like a geography teacher or was it um a slightly incoherent and not very easily to digest policy on the issue of the day brexit what would you say uh, it was I think, I think rather brilliantly you've just answered your own question <laughs> have <laughs> i it was exactly all of those things a cocktail uh, it, yeah, I mean, the anti-Semitism is still, um, it's still shocking the way the party hasn't dealt with that in three and four years. And senior, senior people, MPs, have left the party in because they're ashamed of the party. And Corbyn, for, for, it has to be for deliberate reasons. He can't be that inept that he's taken four years to do nothing about it. So it, he must be tacitly approving it. So that that turned off voters. There was also the the um, the idea that he basically he just stopped short of saying I'll give everyone free money if they vote for me. <laughs> the, the, the economics were were crazy, even to the most you know um, swivel-eyed lefty momentum person. They just didn't add up, and you, you you couldn't do the things he was saying and not end up in utter financial ruin five, ten, fifteen years down the line. And I think everyone see that as well. Um, and the other thing was, um, and and this is you know politics is about uh, it's not just about reading the manifesto; it's about personalities. It's about trusting um, a, a, you know a, a leader. And Corbyn was never that. He was just never cut out to be a leader of a nation. Uh, and the other thing, of course, is, and, and John McDonnell has said this, and a lot of Labour MPs have come out of the woodwork this morning and said, the country said we wanted Brexit and we just ignored them and we didn't listen and we've paid the price. And that that really, I guess, is the, the real kicker to all of this, that um, 
Boris has, has been has prevaricated until recently over uh, Brexit. He initially wanted to remain in the EU, but he, he's he's both pragmatic as a politician, and he gets, I think, the idea that you've got to listen to the people who put you in power, or they will kick your ass at the next opportunity. And that's what's happened to the Labour Party. They just, they've, they've done the arrogant Remainer thing that we know better than these idiot, lumpen people who voted to leave. Um, and we'll, we'll make sure we, you know, uh, that we'll do what we want, not what they say. And they've, they've been, uh, they've been slaughtered for that. And, and quite rightly so. Yeah. So this was the de facto second referendum that the Remain camp was so keen to have. And the answer has come back loud and clear from across this country that, we want to leave the EU. We want to get it done. Yeah. Um, for, for, for good or ill, for better or worse, what, but we, we need, and we do need, we're not only, we, we, we want to, and we've just, you know, we've nailed that completely. The Remainers are a busted flush now. They cannot, they, they would not dare come back and try and have another go. Well, this is um, it. I mean, it's it's the, the Remain Alliance and, and the Remain agenda has kind of collapsed, hasn't it? I mean, no, yeah. no one in the TIG... Uh, change UK, whatever that bad people called, want to see. They all lost their seats. Um, Joe Swinson of Revoke Article 50 lost her seat. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah they've been flushed away. Even Gina Miller is, um, you know, who's been campaigning for a second vote, has, you know, has kind of accepted that this is the first time I've ever seen Gina Miller a bit chastened and a little bit like, oh, I might not be absolutely a thousand percent right, like I always think I am. Well, no, she's just uh, admitted. She just admitted that, that admitted, the people's she, she, vote is yeah. is over, and that now they need yeah. to use kind of parliamentary mechanisms to try and deliver this country from Brexit. I mean, it's yeah. it is an um, entirely new political landscape. It is. It is absolutely. What next for the Labour Party then, Paul? Uh, well, I think Jeremy Corbyn that, should probably resign while we're recording this podcast. Well, I would suggest he's gone away to think about it. I think hasn't he? Which is what's just what? Well, has he gone to the allotment? What's there to think about? Yeah. You know, what, what, what is it to think about, Jeremy? You're the worst Labour leader in history, and you just destroyed the party again. It will take him. I, I think Boris or Boris and his successor are in for two or three terms now. So everyone better get comfortable with that because the Labour Party are dead and buried right now. They are. Uh, they will remain. I've said in piece this morning. They are. They will remain neutered and supine until Boris or his successor screws up so substantially that we give them another chance. But right now, they they are they are they're unelectable. Yeah, you make a really interesting point there because now uh, the Tories are the party of working class communities in the north and also kind of, you know, the home counties in the south. You know, he's kind of got to appease a lot of, you know, a very broad spectrum of people and that's a lot of responsibility now. It's all on Boris, isn't it? There's no blame. There's no uh, slim majority. That's what politicians are supposed to do, isn't it? I mean, there's been a lot of, uh, there's some of the BBC sort of quizzing, questioning this morning seemed a bit bizarre. It was like saying, well, you're going to have to run the country now. And it's like, yeah, that was the kind of point of the election. Um, I think, um, I mean, I know Boris is a sort of marmite figure, but uh, if you look at his track record, I don't see, I mean, you know, this kind of hard right thing, it doesn't really, when he's been in in power, which is really the, the mayoralty, two terms as London mayor, and uh, what about 130 days or something as, as PM? 
When he was London Mayor, he was... And I, I did not back him. I was at a different newspaper at the time. And I backed Ken Livingstone because we had the pick and I got it completely wrong. Because um, I was a bit suspicious of Boris. But he turned out to be a really good London Mayor. And you, it, it's kind of hard. It's a difficult job, as uh, Sadiq's finding out. Um, you do suffer the slings and arrows of, of a very critical media. But he, he wrote it really well, and he did some, apart from the, apart from the, the Garden Bridge, which is obviously an ongoing And the goal, illegal water cannons that we can't use. And the, the illegal water cannons. But he, he I mean, for example, he, uh, Boris, in the two terms, built more social housing than Ken in his million terms. Uh, and the Labour Party, um, obviously the Labour Party stalwart. Um, Boris the Tory built more affordable social housing than Ken had ever done. Stuff like that that just kind of gets kind of glossed over, but it's really important. Yeah, he's a total pinko liberal, liberal yeah. actually. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a cuddly character, old Boris. He's um, <laughs> he's he's not anywhere near as bad as uh, his enemies would paint him. That's what I, that's what I would say. Okay, it must have been a ghostwriter um, that uh, called black people pickaninnies then and uh, referred to gay people as bum boys and likened women who wear the burqa to letterboxes. That must have been someone else. Well, I've, you know, I've never read those pieces, so I don't really know. And, and obviously that's unforgivable. Of course it is. But we've, we've, we've got what we've got. And we're going to have to work with uh, with Boris for as long as... As he wants. Wants, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we better get used to it. And uh, the other thing is, I mean, it's, um, he's a he's a very good negotiator and he's very good in a meeting, as we know. He he, he turned round in a matter of days what uh, Theresa May and her crew couldn't do in three years. And it, you know, part of that is personality and charm, and you know, force, sort of force of nature kind of thing. Mm. I think I think it'll be a very interesting to watch. I, I think he fancies himself as a sort of FDR character and I think there'll be a lot of once once the dust settles, I think you'll see a lot of big kind of uh, showpiece Boris schemes in a in a kind of Keynesian way to um you know, employ people and then invest money in. And I think you'll be I mean, you know, not like a Hoover Dam, but, but I think there'll be a lot of big schemes that Boris will put his name to. And I think it'll be interesting times. Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, ho- hopefully this is the beginning of some real optimism. This country has been um, stimmied in limbo for yeah. three years. And so hopefully now we can get Brexit done. We can start looking beyond Europe. And yeah, maybe this is, maybe he will be the galvanising force that kicks Britain into the next well, chapter of our right. of our history. We can We can only go forward in a spirit of optimism this morning, I think, and see what transpires. There's going to be a lot of hard work and it ain't going to be easy. We know that. Um, mm. You know, extricating ourselves from the EU who have proved themselves to be as difficult as possible. Uh, it's going to be difficult, but it's not impossible. Nothing's impossible. We'll just have to get on with it. Exactly, as Boris has proven. Trump generated, <laughs> yeah, a, ger- generated a majority in a snap election on the wettest, windiest, grossest night of the year yeah. um, and yeah. has unseated uh, Dennis Skinner, uh, which yes, is quite remarkable. Uh, uh, the beast of Bolsover. Yeah. yeah, a lot of scalps last night. Um, there were. And as I say, there's still, you know, there, there, there were places, the Rother Valley, for example. Rother Valley, uh, yeah. Yeah, South York. So it, it had never, ever been anything other than Labour in its, in, you know, in, in its history. That area is kind of um, 
old mining areas, really. And they they are not um, given to voting Tory or liking Tory or, or, or any, any, you know. And yet they have all voted Tory rather than have Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. So... Yeah, Paul, got, you know. we are all Tories now. We're, we're, we're kind of all, aren't we? We're all one-nation Tories. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. all one-nation Tories, and I'm incredibly excited to see what Boris comes up with. Well, um, and I, it, what an exciting what an exciting countdown we have in January. <laughs> I, do, I do think you're right, right? You've, when, you, when, when somebody gets in, you've got to give them a chance, haven't you? Whether, whether you voted for them or whether you didn't. You, you can't, you've got to judge them from day one, from, from, from ground zero right now. Absolutely. And let's see what happens. Absolutely. And we'll be here. Thank you so much for taking the time to call us from your um, Always a pleasure. Your, Always a pleasure. your townhouse. And is it Brighton <laughs> that you're in tonight? I'm not sure where you are. Um, thank you again. Yeah, thanks for your time and your penetrating insight. Um, <laughs> it's always a pleasure. And um, we'll see you in the new year because I think you're off on holidays now for a couple of weeks, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'm taking a well-earned rest. Yeah, 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 yeah. From, yeah. The, uh, yeah. from the cut and thrust of political journalism. Yeah. <laughs> we will see you in the new year. Thank you, Paul Baldwin. Well done for making it to the end of an episode of Brexit The Final Countdown. If you're still enjoying the countdown, you can subscribe for free. And if you're really enjoying the countdown, you can also leave us a review.